Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And welcome in, everybody, to Off of the Helmets, show number three, courtesy of DSP Media Online. It would be show number 314 if you've been with me through all of the ESPN days and the live shows that we did together. And we are efforting to get back to that, to take you somewhere to a really cool restaurant or bar and get you out there with me and have some frank discussions about your Dallas Cowboys. If for no other reason, then they're pretty fucking good. Let's get to it. This is Off with the Helmets. Let's get this thing started. We got to go to Philly. And welcome back, everybody, to Off of the Helmets, presented by our friends at DSP Media Online. This is my new home. I couldn't be happier to do to be here with these guys. Drunk Sports Podcast I'm a part of as well. We're getting a gambling show going. There is uh, From the Rough, a great golf show, and there are actually 21 podcasts at dspmediaonline.com. Then check almost every one of our shows out as well at YouTube, DSP Media Online. So thrilled to be here. I'm Brady Tinker, if you don't know me then I appreciate you stopping in and checking out my work. If you do know me, it's 25 years doing this and covering the Cowboys. And to be honest with you, right now, this is one of the more fun seasons ever because I can see the horizon of Dak Prescott coming back. I hope they wait long enough that he's healthy. But I haven't really been around in 25 years, except all the way back to the 90s, to a team that has a defense this good, that he is playing traditional old-school football that also looks to me like playoff football, cold-weather football, and that's what we're aiming for. So let's get this thing started. Here we go right now. Item number one. So let's look back a moment, if you will, with me to the ass-whipping of the world champion Rams in L.A. at SoFi Stadium, which actually is a home venue for your Dallas Cowboys. It's approximately 40,000 Cowboys fans piled into SoFi Stadium and had a great time. Had a great time, and we are doing this look back for two reasons. One, to remind you and me just exactly how dominant the defense is and was against the world champions. Uh, And two, we're going to look and see, well, how sort of not phenomenal the offense has been. Adequate, proper for how the games are going and how the games are being played. I have nothing but accolades to give Cooper Rush and everybody else who has stepped up when we thought a tank season was coming after week one. So I'm not bad-mouthing anybody, I want to look at the struggles of the offense or the inefficiencies of the offense because this is a game where they probably have to score 23 or 24 to win. And I'm reminded that I picked the over in this game for whatever reason, and now that I think about it, if they score 23 or 24 to win, yeah, well, they're probably not hitting the over. All right, here we go. So the defense was so dominant against the Rams that the Cowboys came out and got nine points, essentially courtesy of the defense and the special teams. You'll remember that, right? A strip sack fumble by one defensive end, picked up by another defensive end. They run. They go for two. I can't remember what they did. I think they had a trouble with the snap because they have a new long snapper. But anyway, six to nothing. And then a blocked uh, field goal leads to a punt. I can't remember. It's pretty shitty. But anyway, whatever the details are, 
led to three more points, and the Cowboys are up 9 nothing. Now, a real point to make here is, is Cooper Rush and company, since he's been playing, have not been behind very often. They fell behind the Giants. Um, but other than that, they haven't really been behind. So now, all of a sudden, here come the Rams, and they put up a touchdown and a field goal, and it's 10-9 to Rams. And it's one point. But I really don't want this group with their method of playing offense right now to be behind very often. And we're going to get to that in the Philadelphia game. So I was a little worried. But, you know, the attitude of this Cowboys team and this offense, and there is a sense of calm. The play caller's not calling wild shit for no reason. Uh, the head coach's pulse seems to be very slow. Cooper Rush seems to be completely fine with running the offense where he knows this is a defense first team. So falling down and taking a sack isn't the worst thing. Incomplete passes aren't the worst thing. And three and outs aren't the worst thing because, to be honest with you, they had 12 drives in this game against the Rams, and I believe eight of them ended in four plays or less. They still won the game easily, 22 to 10. So all of those things are a factor as to how the Cowboys have done this to this point. Cooper Rush 4-0, has started 5-0 and in his career. The only Dallas Cowboy quarterback to ever do that. Isn't that great stuff? That's a... That's a, something that no one will ever get right except in parties or for a party trick is Cooper Rush holds the record of most victories to start a season or to start a, yeah, that's right, to start a career for the Dallas Cowboys. Good stuff. So first half, they hung in there. They set a tone that they were going to play good defense, that they were going to run the football. And second half, they absolutely dominated. Six points is all the Cowboys scored because zero points is all the Rams scored. And it's a 22 to 10 game. So now as I look ahead, I think let's look at the defense a little bit. The defense for the Dallas Cowboys is averaging four sacks a game. That's impactful. They are averaging nine quarterback hits a game, not pressures, hits. They are hitting every quarterback they play nine times. Now I promise you that Jalen Hurts is aware of that. He's watched it on film. He may even quietly know the statistic, although he might not admit it. Nine guys for the Cowboys have sacks as well. Micah Parsons has six. Names that you're going to get to know on this team defensively that you will want to watch in this game and start paying attention to. Deron Bland was chosen this year in the fifth round out of Fresno State. Didn't get to play until two weeks ago for the first time. And in that game had two tackles, a pass defended, and an interception. Pretty good, and it did not surprise Cowboys coaches. Those who watched him in training camp and who watched him in Oxnard and who watched him in the preseason said, we got a player here. Deron Bland can play, and he fits into the Quinn system. And guess what? Dan Quinn is going to work him in, which he has done. Uh, last week, did not record any scratches, but he did defend a couple of passes and he was in the right place all the time and watched Deron Bland at six feet, roughly 200. He's a big cornerback that has sort of a safety build and flatly Deron Bland can play. So keep an eye on Deron Bland. Number 26, by the way, don't get confused. Jordan Lewis for several years was 26. Now he's two. So Deron Bland, number 26 is someone to watch. Chauncey Goldston, number 99 from Iowa, picked in round three, two years ago. Um, in college, he had a reputation and statistics to back up the fact that Chauncey Goldson at 6'5", roughly 275, gets the ball. He had interceptions. He had forced fumbles. He had plays for loss. He's a good defensive end type player who can also drop back if he needs to and cover underneath routes. And Chauncey Goldson gets the ball. And you need players on your team to get the ball. And Diggs does. And this team does or did last year. And he's one to watch. Now, they're trying to make him bigger because the oddity with Chauncey Goldston is that I think I got that wrong too. 
I'm getting this wrong and I want you to get it right. It's Chauncey Golston. There is no D in it. See, we're learning together. Golston is number 99. G-O-L-S-T-O-N from the University of Iowa. Okay, there I corrected it. So Golston plays defensive end. That's what he's listed at. And he's too small or, or lean, lacks the bulk to play inside for the most part. Yet his best pass moves are inside his best rushing ability comes on inside moves and they're trying to put weight on him and some guys can do it and some guys can't so he's bigger than he was in college he was in his 250s at college is up 270 272 they really would like to get him to 290 and then maybe they can play him more and more slightly inside but a an impact player at no matter what size and then also quentin bohanna the defensive tackle from kentucky uh has an inside game and, and this is a massive man at 6'4, 360 you're already noticing him this year, and he shows up, tackles for loss. He's blowing up plays in the middle. He's blowing up run plays. He's a huge man with really quick feet, uh, very good at the run game, but already seven tackles this game in a category that I didn't know there was, and now I like it. He has two what they call stuffs. So I assume that means he stops the run and he plugs a hole, and whatever that running back was trying to do is going absolutely nowhere. Two stuffs lead to minus six, so plays for loss. So those are three names I wanted to get out to you. And let's do this together as the season goes along. These are younger players that will be impactful as the Dallas Cowboys are either the first or second youngest team in the NFL. 17 rookies on this team. And that is what Mike McCarthy has in mind, I promise you. And Jerry Jones and company, Will McClay, are certainly on board with that. You can handle your salary cap a lot better. And the truth is, it's a young man's league. These guys are so fast and so big and so strong that most positions that you play in this league, besides puncher and kicker, by the time you're 28 years old, you're most likely worn out, and you may already have head issues with running into people as well. The Philadelphia defense is ranked fifth overall. So when we think about how this game is going to go and what the Cowboys have been doing, you're going up against a really good defense in Philadelphia. They are impactful. They have veterans and a mix of young players that are powerful. They are very good against the pass. They sort of mirror the Cowboys, to be honest with you. They're very good against the pass. They're very good at getting to and disrupting the quarterback. And they are ranked 14th against the run, but number one defensively overall because teams haven't run that much against them because They've always been ahead. They're 5-0. and oh. The Cowboys are ranked number two or three, depending on where you look overall defensively. And they rank actually slightly ahead of the Eagles in run defense. I think at 13, the Eagles are ranked 15. So it's a pretty equal thing. The Cowboys are best at pass rushing, hitting the quarterback, getting sacks, disrupting plays from the edges, while the middle of their line is, is effective as well. And they're roughly slightly ahead of the middle of the pack at run defense, and the Eagles are the same. So... How is this game going to go? Well, one of the things that already is good news, because we're all Cowboys fans here, and we want what's good for us and screw the Eagles, is the Philadelphia offensive line is playing wounded. Their left tackle did not play last week. He's going to try to play this week. But guess what else? Their left guard left the game last week for a while. Their center left the game last week for a while. And their right guard left the game last week for a while. Pretty damn good news. Now, apparently, everything I'm hearing out of Philadelphia is all of those people are going to play. They'd like to be 6-0, and and they'd like to be undefeated in the division already and sort of take a stranglehold on this division. And when you look at their schedule, Eagles, I mean, and I'm going to go back and do that for you in a minute, you'll look and you'll say, oh, good. If these guys stay healthy, they might win 14 games. I don't see that for the Cowboys, but I also tell you, as a preclude to something that's coming later, the Cowboys don't have to win 14 games. They don't have to win this division. I know you like home games, and the history says you need to play at home, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe they'll get a home wild card game. The bottom line is 
this team is waiting for its quarterback. And it's also waiting for its left tackle. And now it's kind of waiting for its tight end and a few other players to come back. And they'll be back. Hopefully not as soon as possible because you're playing well. And the next two games after this one are Detroit and Chicago. So I'm marking those down as wins. Wait till week 10 and get everybody back. We'll get to that. I'm jumping ahead. So the Philadelphia Eagles have an offensive line issue going up against the Cowboys defensive line. Now, there are two things. You saw Micah Parsons wince a little bit with a groin issue. They've been cautious with him in practice this week. I'm good with that. And Tank Lawrence, a little issue. And I think it was a leg issue. I don't know. No, it was a chest issue. He also, they tested him for a concussion thing, but nothing came of that. So some sort of chest issue that's bothering him. So they're going slow with Tank, and I have no problem with that. It's not, they're going through walkthroughs. They are at practice. They're in on game plan. They're not missing anything, and they don't need to be hitting anybody uh, because they're two of the best players on defense. Uh, the Eagles will try to do this. They will try to run on passing downs, and they will try to pass on running downs. And to be honest with you, I think the Cowboys will do something very similar. Neither one of these teams wants to fall behind, particularly the Cowboys or the Eagles. I promise you're planning and trying to come out and get some big plays. But really what the Eagles want to do is run the ball up the Cowboys' ass. And they'll probably do it with their quarterback as their best running back. Uh, Sanders is pretty good, but his yards per carry is good, but they haven't fed him the ball more than 10 or 12 times in any game. This is a running team based on a very good offensive line led by Travis Kelsey's brother. And the quarterback runs the football. We can have all kinds of discussions about how long that's going to last and how big he is and how many hits he can take, et cetera, et cetera. I will say this to the young man. You better start sliding and running out of bounds. Mahomes has finally learned to do that. If you're going to play in this league a long time, you can't keep taking the hits, and neither can the Buffalo quarterback. But that's another topic. The number two reason for looking back at the Rams game last week, 22-10 to 10 win for the Cowboys who moved to 4-1, and one, is the offense. And this is not to criticize the offense, but to sort of figure out together what this offense has to do to put up enough points to win this game. Now, maybe Cavante Turpin takes a punt for a touchdown, and maybe Jalen Hurts throws a pick six, which he's already done at least once this season. That would get you to your point total. Because the truth is, the Cowboys in Cooper Rush's starts have scored exactly on one touchdown drive in each game. One. Uh, the Eagles' offense is in the top five this year so far their quarterback is running and he's playing much better and they added A.J. Brown which then makes Devontae Smith a lot better which Godard is healthy and all of a sudden these guys have weapons everywhere because Quez Watkins is pretty damn fast you may not know him but he can get deep on you too this is a good Eagles team it just is it just is but reminded this is a good Cowboys team too and it's just different. It's just different. We were used to the Romo era. And all the way back before that, when this team was sexy and threw the ball all over the place and hoped the defense could hold the other team below 27 and you had a chance to win, that shit is gone. This is now a defensive football team. And Mike McCarthy has reiterated in press conferences week after week. The offense knows. The quarterback knows. The offensive coordinator knows. We are a defense driven football team, which means we do not turn the ball over on offense. We don't have to. We do not run a bunch of damn trick plays that, that the offensive coordinator likes to pull out of his ass for no reason sometimes. We don't, we're not doing that shit. Uh, we're not doing anything that allows the other team to have free-type points or short fields if we can help it because our defense will stop you. And it doesn't matter who you are. And you know that because while the Rams aren't playing great, that is the Super Bowl champion team that normally can run the ball great, that has a Super Bowl champion quarterback, 
that has the best wide receiver in football, and they scored 10. So this is a defensive-driven team, so says Mike McCarthy, and certainly because Dan Quinn is phenomenal at his job, it is that. So what's wrong with the offense? Nothing based on how the games have been played. They've had a steady, slow pulse rate. They've lived up to their assignments. The holding calls and the penalties on the offense are down, 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 which was embarrassing in the last couple of years. They're more disciplined. They're more relaxed about who they are and how they're going to play the game. So this is not a criticism. But the offense ran last week for 155 yards. Now, I hate it when guys do this. Oh, but it wouldn't have been nearly that good, but Pollard had a 57-yard touchdown. That's not how it works. You run and you beat people up in front because you're going to spring one with a guy that's fast as Tony Pollard. That's how this works. It isn't, well, you're not that good at running because you had a 57-yard run. You work your ass off and you beat the shit out of people, so you have a 57-yard run. It's the dumbest argument ever, and generally when it comes up in bars or someone wants to talk to me, I'm done talking. When they say, wasn't that good? They had two big plays. Dude. They're supposed to fucking have big plays. That's what they're trying to do. It's the dumbest argument ever. 155 yards rushing was not bad. 98 net yards passing on 10 of 16, which is 62%, which is about what Cooper Rush does. And now if you're looking for a comparison, Dak in his career is roughly 67%. Okay, those are just normal numbers. Cooper Rush has thrown four touchdowns and no interceptions. His quarterback rating is 93.9. That's pretty high, right? That's pretty above average, which goes to show you you can get a pretty good quarterback rating if you just don't fuck it up. Uh, Dak's career number 67%. Uh, touchdown to interception ratio, really good. 143 to 51. And he has 15 yard, 1,500 yards rushing. So if you're entertaining conversations about a quarterback controversy, just stop it. Cooper Rush has made himself a lot of money. I'm really happy for him. Uh, he's going to be a backup that's going to be well-paid. Good backup th these days can make 4 or $5 million a year. He might sign a $20 million contract. And now Cooper Rush is rich and good for him. Uh, I'm happy for him. He's done great. One TD drive in each of the last four games that Cooper Rush has led this team on. Flatly, my friends, won't do it. I, I, I just don't think that this Cowboys defense is going to completely shut down this Eagles team. So they're going to score 17. Well, we know they're going to score 19 because that's all the Cowboys ever give up. They haven't given up 20 all year. Pretty damn impressive number. The last team that did that, that was Cowboys team was 1972 Cowboys. That might have been doomsday one. So here's some other things. So what has to happen? We went back to the run on passing downs, and they'll pass on running downs. And more, the second one, I think, is important. If you know you have to score points and you don't want to run trick plays, then you try and catch the, the defense a little bit off balance. Also, by the way, Cooper Rush is pretty good at reading defenses. Do you? And you know how you know that? Because he gets back to his third step or his fifth step or his seventh step, and the ball's out. Because he's come to the line of scrimmage, he's assessed it, he's made his checks if he needs to, and he knows this offense very well because he has been with this offensive coordinator five years, and his favorite target kind of is Noah Brown because he's been with Noah Brown five years. Those things matter, and they make sense. And so, actually, Noah Brown, if you're looking for an outside fantasy pick this week, is probably a pretty good one. They're going to double-team Gallup whenever they can, go over and under on him. They're going to work CD over as best they can, and Noah Brown is going to run in different slot positions and sometimes on the outside in one-on-one coverage, and this quarterback likes him, so throw it to him. Noah Brown is a great story out of Ohio State and really is helping the Cowboys this year, and he's a legit wide receiver who's going to get some single coverage. So there's that. So they pass on rundowns, they run on pass downs, and they play defense. And they are going to have to be mindful that they're going to have to take some chances. So 
monitor the score, but take some chances. Michael Gallup is a 50-50 ball guy. Rarely will he allow a ball to be intercepted. Take your shots. When you get Michael Gallup open down the field and you have the coverage you want, there's no safety coming, take your shots. You're going to have to get big plays and or penalties for big plays to score the amount of points that I think you need to score. Another thing, want more good news. The Eagles have only trailed in two games, actually same as the Cowboys with Cooper Rush. They trailed in Detroit in week one. If you remember at all, that was a really high-scoring game. I think they ended up winning 38-35, and they were down six in the first quarter. That doesn't really count. And then against Jacksonville two weeks ago, um, a pick six uh, for Jacksonville and a running touchdown, and they were up 14 to nothing. but that was in the first quarter. And, uh, you know, I'll give the Rams or the Eagles quarterback credit. He relaxed and, and played a pretty good game, and that team, their team came back and won. My point is, if you can get... Jalen Hurts in a trail position, I'd like to see it, wouldn't you? I'd like to see it. And if we hit him nine times or whatever it is that the Cowboys do every single game and we sack him four or five times, will the eyes begin to dart? Because as much as a lot of people want to say this is the best team in the NFC right now, and certainly it is by record, and I know that they have a really good deep roster, I'm not ready to, what did Parcells used to say, give the anointing oil to Jalen Hurts yet? I'm not. I'm rooting for him. Uh, I'm happy for him that he's he's done what he's doing, but I'm not certain that Jalen Hurts can play against a really good defense down nine. I'm not sure he can. Uh, and so that's what I would like to see. So that's the reason I bring up the Eagles have only really been behind twice and, and not in, in imminently dangerous situations. So Philly, though, scores 27 points a game. The Cowboys score roughly 17. They get 420 yards a game. The Cowboys get about 335. They're number two in the NFL in rushing. The Cowboys are number 12 at roughly 116 yards a game. But I'm telling you, tip of the hat to them for that because this offensive line is makeshift, right? You've got a rookie at left tackle. Uh, you, you're not thrilled with what you've got at left guard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, Steele, you don't hear Steele's name on right tackle. It's freaking great news. Good. But those numbers say that the Cowboys are going to have to score points. Seems to me like 23 is probably the number to win the game 23 to 20. So can the Cowboys defense then conversely, if they can get to 23 offensively, however they do it, come on, Cavante Turpin, can the Cowboys defense fluster, confuse, hit, anger, and put some fear in Jalen Hurts enough to have him play bad? Well, the truth is, the last couple of games, he hasn't been great. His last two games, he's thrown for 204 and 239, no touchdowns, one interception. Now, he has touchdowns rushing in both games. One game, he had 38 yards and a touchdown. Last game, he had 61 yards and two touchdowns. And those are every bit as impactful as two or three touchdown passes. They are. But the Cowboys are going to be after him. They're going to be spying him. They're going to be doing their very best to stay at home on the edges. And they're going to be aware on running downs. And there may be some trickery of him running on passing downs. And they will do their best to put their eyes in the backfield, if you will. Now, that is not to say that A.J. Brown isn't good. And Devontae Smith isn't good, and Dallas Goder isn't good. It's not to say that. But the Cowboys trust the backside of their defense, the safeties, the one or two linebackers that are out there on occasion, and the cornerbacks that are out there, they trust. I don't know if I anticipate Diggs going with A.J. Brown or, or Devontae Smith. That Last year, Diggs went with Devontae Smith, and I think he had three catches for 19 yards. So that worked. And I wouldn't necessarily hate seeing that again, except – if I think the Cowboys are going to put a ton of pressure on this Eagles team and on this particular quarterback, I like a lot of zone and a lot of two deep zone. And I like a lot of people, especially Diggs, with their eyes on the quarterback. 
And that is so rare in today's football. How many times do you see a cornerback running right with a wide receiver and he doesn't know where the ball is and either draws a penalty or gets a completed pass because he doesn't know where the ball is? It's just like basketball. You can't play defense if you don't know where the ball is. I never understood any of that. And I know I'm wrong about some of that because I've been corrected by defensive coordinators and coaches who say, we are teaching them not to look for the ball until the receiver looks for the ball. My point is a lot of times the receiver looks and the defender never looks. Everyone's so afraid of getting beat got to always be afraid of getting beat if you don't know where the fucking ball is. That part I'm mystified by. So they're going to have to get to Hertz, and they're going to have to hit him. And they're going to have to man up a lot of times in a, in a zone defense. doesn't make any sense. But they're going to have to have assignments done properly with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goder. They just are. And they're going to play the run. That's what the Cowboys are going to do. This is going to be a hard game to win, and it is absolutely the right thing to do not to have put Dak Prescott in this game. He's not ready, and I'm not just talking about the thumb and the plate and the screws that are holding it in and how big an NFL football is and how hard you have to not only grip it, but you have to be able to, as Jerry Jones has said all week, he has to be able to spin it. (laughs) They asked Mike McCarthy about that in a press conference this morning, and he laughed, and he goes, yes, when Dak Prescott throws the football, it spins. I love how far Mike McCarthy has come as the coach on this team and dealing with this ownership and everything else. I, I lo- I'm getting to where I absolutely love Mike McCarthy. And certainly I love Dan Quinn because we have the best defense in the NFL. And I don't really care about the offensive coordinator. Eagles' next four games, to give you the point, if they win, let's just say the Eagles win this game in a very close-fought game, and the Cowboys still are the team we think they are, they play Pittsburgh, Houston, Washington, and Indy. That gets them to 10-0. So if the Cowboys don't win this football game, they fall to 4-2, and two, then they get Detroit and Chicago at home. I'm still rooting for Cooper Rush to play those games. And then you get a bye week in week nine, and I want Dak and Dalton Schultz and Tyron Smith, and I'm probably missing somebody else, to all come back in week 10 after a bye week. And it is pedal down, healthy legs underneath us, to the metal, and if they win the division, they do. If they don't, they're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to be one hell of an out. That's 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 what I'm that's what I'm openly rooting for, because Dak Prescott has more issues than what's going on in this hand. It's a foot, it's a calf, it's whatever. It is related to the catastrophic injury of 2020. I'm just telling you, it is. So he needs till week 10, and I want Dak head up, looking at defenses, looking like the confident, cocky Dak that we saw for most of his career, not the one in week one against Tampa Bay that had eyes darting everywhere, that didn't believe what he saw, that couldn't make reads, that threw balls late, that threw an interception that was 15 yards short. That guy was hurt. He is not a pussy. He is a hell of a football player. He is a hell of a leader. He is a big, strong son of a bitch who you need to be the quarterback of this team for the next five years based on what you're paying him and based on the fact that talent-wise – He's a top 10 quarterback in this league. And if you want to go to a damn Super Bowl and win one, you have to have that guy. And I love Cooper Rush, but he ain't that guy. He's over here in case you need him for the fourth quarter or in case you need him for a game or two. And now you really know you have that guy. But there is no quarterback controversy. There is not. Okay, so leave that alone. The Cowboys' next three weeks are Detroit, Chicago. So let's assume a loss, four and two, five and two, six and two, and a bye week. Okay. So then you can get all these guys back and then we can go because Dak will then return is what I'm hoping to play Green Bay and Minnesota. Physical, tough NFC foes, the games that you need to win and games that you need a healthy, confident Dak Prescott to play. This team, I will tell you, is built for cold weather and it is built for physical games. And it is a 
confident, not cocky, confident together team. And when you're in the locker room, there've been plenty of years when I've been in there when you can feel the fractions. It's like a fraternity or a brotherhood. Some over here, some over here, some leaving early, some coming late, some going together, lots of them going alone. The feeling of that, for the most part, trying to bring 52 guys together, you you know you're not quite right. This group is a tight group. This group respects each other, likes each other, and they quietly have a confidence that has really been aided by their head coach handling everything perfectly. If you heard before last week's game, when one of the last questions at a press conference to Mike McCarthy was, do you ever use the point spread as motivation in any of your speeches on Saturday or Sunday or anything like that? He goes, I don't think so. He goes, yeah, wait, I guess I have a couple times. Why? What's the point spread? And the reporter said, five and a half. And he goes, we're underdogs? And he goes, okay, well, good. And then walking away, he said, you want something to put in print? We are underdogs to nobody. And he meant it. And that got to the locker room in no time because that's what we do. We walk in the locker room and we say, coach said this. If it's shitty, they're pissed. But when it's good, this is one of those moments. McCarthy had one of those moments and it was genuine. It wasn't fodder. It wasn't being funny. It wasn't saying something to knew the right thing. He reacted as honestly and earnestly as he could. He was fucking shocked that his team was a five and a half point underdog going to play the Los Angeles Rams. He couldn't believe it. And what he was saying in between the quotes is, I've watched film. I'm watching their team and my team. My team's better. But fuck it. Let's just go to L.A. And by the way, I'm glad 40,000 fans will be there when they'll beat their ass, which they did, 22 to 10. So now they are underdogs by seven or seven and a half or whatever it is in Philadelphia. And there's a lot of people in the betting line pushing that line a little further. But come game time, that line probably will be under seven. So if you want to bet Cowboys, go get yourself seven or seven and a half right now. That's my recommendation. So this team is built for cold weather. Micah Parsons is going to be defensive player of the year. Dan Quinn is once again going to be defensive coach of the year. And those two guys combined, this defense makes everybody better. Some emerging stars before for you before I go. Donovan Wilson. Safety. Leads the team in tackles from Texas A&M. Many, many of you may know him. It's his fourth year he has it going. And when Donovan Wilson plays well, he also hits the shit out of people. He can play the ball. He can cause uh, tackles for loss. He has no problem being a good tackler on this team. He's already got a sack and he's already got an interception. And Donovan Wilson in his fourth year is about to be a star. Dorrance Armstrong obviously has jumped off the page at you. And he's taking advantage of the fact that Tank is really good and that Mike is wandering around and that the schemes are such and that they twist a lot in the middle, which causes issues with the two guards in the center. It, this is beautifully done. But Dorrance Armstrong is taking advantage. It's his fifth year from Kansas. This is a story that's one of my favorite. He won three games in his time at Kansas. Three. How much do you have to like football to play four years at the University of Kansas and win three games and then get done and say, yeah, yeah, I want to be drafted. I'm ready to go to the NFL. Good God. What are you, a masochist? You never win. Well, they're winning now. And Dorrance Armstrong has four sacks, a block field goal. He's a magnet for the football. And he is a very good defensive end on this team. It was great that they re-signed him last year. Last but not least, Osa Odigizua. I wanted this guy to be great from the beginning just because I like saying Osa Odigizua. This guy's a good player. Second year from UCLA. Um, he's filling out the stat sheet. And it's tough to fill out a stat sheet a lot of times. From the middle, you remember Marcus Spears took a lot of heat for years because he was basically taking up, you know, he was taking on two uh, offensive linemen, and that was his job. And so he didn't get many sacks, and he didn't record a lot of a lot of tackles. That's the position Odigizu is playing, and yet he's getting tackles. He is relentless. He is 
a, a deadly presence in the middle of the field who's only getting better. Those three guys, to be honest with you, all have Pro Bowl caliber talent and now are, are heading to that point. The veterans are Tank, Anthony Barr, nice addition. Leighton Van Der Esch, you got to give him credit. Was the whole Wolf thing early, right? And then petered off and we thought he couldn't play at all. And now in a one-year contract, really at the second half of last year and all of this year, Leighton Van Der Esch has been an effective, good player. Anthony Brown has been here, it seems like, 12 years. I never thought Anthony Brown was a starter in this league. And Damwell is a starter and is a Pro Bowl caliber player. Devon Curse is really good. And Jerry Jones said to us last week so beautifully on the radio, I think on 105.3 The Fan, he said, that hooker at safety is really good. Okay. That is Malik Hooker, and he is really good. So root for Cabante Turpin. Get a kick return or a punt return. Remember, he did it twice in one game in the preseason, but it was against the Chargers, and one was really early in the game, so he's probably against a lot of first-teamers out there. 98 yards, 75 yards. We've seen these special feet. This is a guy you can root for that went to TCU that was uh, – MVP of the USFL, and they said, oh, maybe a little Devin Hester, maybe a little Dante Hall, maybe a little prime time in this kid. This would be a good time for that to happen. So your special teams coach, who I get a kick out of, uh, needs to dial some things up on some of these returns, and let's give this kid a chance. Mike McCarthy, we are nobody's underdogs. Coaching matters. Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore, and all of their coaches are doing a phenomenal job. They really are. This team is an end game team. 10 wins probably gets them in the playoffs. I'd like to see 11, maybe even 12 if we're if we're really positive about this so that they get a first round home playoff game as a, as a wild card team. This is an end game team. It, it really is. You get Dak healthy, Schultz healthy, Tyron Smith healthy. Uh, there are 18 players every weekend, 18 players on defense playing substantial plays. Only 11 play at a time. There are 18. Last week, 18 guys got at least 20 plays. That's a lot of plays, okay? I mean, think about it. That's three or four drives that they're in on. 18 guys, that's a huge number, which keeps other guys healthy and keeps legs fresh. The offense, when it is healthy, and you haven't seen it yet, when Dak is back, has Zeke and Pollard playing essentially in contract years. You get Tyron back at left tackle. You move Tyler Smith to guard, and you work in Jason Peters. Dude. Let's pull the right tackle and run fucking left. And let's do it all day with this double-headed monster of two running backs who are playing for contracts. Let's do it. Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Noah Brown, and Dalton Schultz, when healthy, when having some reps under their belts with this number one quarterback in Dak Prescott, are a formidable, very good offense. It's not a 29-point-a-game number one offense in the NFL offense, but it's an offense plenty good enough to score 23, 24 points a game. And with this defense, that will win you games. End game. A team that can win playoff games is what you have here with the Dallas Cowboys. So watch this game. Watch how hard they work. Watch what the coaches are doing in terms of being calm and putting people in positions to win games. And watch how the heart rate doesn't go up. If they happen to fall behind by nine points, watch how calm this team is. That is coaching. That is talent. And that is a team that believes in each other. This is going to be a really fun weekend. I don't know whether they're going to win or lose. I'm not even going to give you a prediction other than I want the points in a betting situation, especially if it's a touchdown or seven and a hook. I want that. And I want that for you. But they're going to play well. And they are up for the fight. And this will be the Super Bowl in Philadelphia. It's their Super Bowl, especially for their fans. Now, they're trying not to mentally get in that spot. 
But the Cowboys are in the right place. They are together. They are not missing any really, really true key pieces other than Tyron Smith. And this is going to be a good game. And isn't it fun to have a team that has such a good defense and such a calm about it and such a good coaching staff that you know you have a really good chance to win every single week? I mean, you guys are Cowboys fans, so you think you're going to win every game. But the truth is, when did you feel this calm about a team? Dak Prescott will be back. It needs to be in the time that it takes for him to be 100% healthy. And when that happens, this team can win 10, 11, 12 games, get in, and make around the playoffs. And maybe as big a run as you've seen since the early 90s. I'm Brady Tinker. I had a great time talking to you tonight. This is Off of the Helmets. I'm sorry that we had to tape. We had some uh, issues. But next week, we will be live. We will take your calls, your texts, your tweets, everything else. And I will start interacting with you because I am so damn happy to be doing Off of the Helmets again, talking Cowboys football with you. And I am really happy to be a part of DSP Media and DSP Media Online. Find everything at Facebook. Find us online on our website dspmedia.com and just find us because we're doing 21 podcasts we are productive we are fun and we are funny and this is a great group of guys i will see you next week talking cowboys football god i can't wait if we're talking about an eagles victory that is going to be fucking fantastic enjoy your weekend i'll see you next week i'm brady dicker right here on off of the helmets courtesy of dsp media online.com Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.